Welcome to another episode of Real Japan. We are reviewing... <laughs> uh, we're very enthusiastic about this new movie we're reviewing, Full Metal Alchemist, a Netflix uh, film. Um, of course, the how much Netflix has actually worked with them on this is up to debate, but uh, they have put their branding all over it. Um, this is going to be a spoiler-heavy uh, episode. If you guys have never seen Full Metal Alchemist, you will have heard every major spoiler in this podcast, because we'll probably talk about everything that happens in this movie and probably some stuff that happens outside of it. He dies. May shoes. <laughs> He dies. And lust. She dies. <laughs> Everybody dies. Yeah. And Envy? Dies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I am joined today, of course, by my co-host, uh, Jason. Hey. And uh, we're also joined by um, uh, people you may have heard from Otofu Suzume, or what I call Ota Suzaku. <laughs> We are the phoenix <laughs> rising from the flames. I didn't get it. She's Jen, I'm Wes, she knows nothing, I know everything. Boom! And also, as ever, my lovely wife. Hello! Hello! I'm <laughs> pretending to be Jen today. I don't sound yeah. like that. <laughs> you gotta do that for the entire episode now. Oh, damn it. No. <laughs> it's just an intro that? gag. Hello, it's me, Stacy. Uh, so now that we got the, the fact about spoilers out of the way, um, let's just kind of get into the meat of this uh, film. If you didn't hear it before, Maze Hughes dies. Neat. Can, can I eat it? <laughs> <laughs> also, chimeras. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? It's a mythical Never creature mind. with three heads, with a lion, a goat, a snake, and I can't remember the last one. <laughs> well, this you just want need a girl and a dog, but yeah, just like my videos like that. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. All right, Jason. So, uh, as we w- want to continue with spoilers, uh, we kind of covered the main part, but is again as we were kind of going through this, if you've already seen. If you're watching this movie because you've already seen Full Metal, you already know what's going to happen. The movie itself covers, what, maybe the first 10, 15 episodes of Brotherhood? It, it's the first, it's a third of the story. Uh, the majority of it is based on the beginning, and so they'll do a lot of the introductions and in the overall story of Full Metal Alchemist, which is, you know, they've lost their part of their bodies or their whole bodies and are trying to get the Philosopher's Stone. But then uh, near the end, they actually take aspects from the very end of the story and they kind of tie it in to create its own compact story that is just components of different ones that you've seen if you've seen the whole series. So I guess the question that we had is, do you need to know Full Metal Alchemist in order to enjoy or just watch this film? Or are there things left out that were in the original source material that, you know, new viewers would have trouble understanding. Breaking tradition, uh, I've actually seen uh, the original anime and Brotherhood, so... <laughs> Come on, Jason, you're supposed to be our noob. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think this this one was so big that I, I'd be surprised if people who have watched any anime have not really seen this, or have at least heard these major spoilers, <laughs> and we've already stated, because I think it's, at this point in time, part of the gestalt consciousness of American otakus. Mm. Yeah. I would kind of change that a little bit. I think they, um, they left it open for a sequel, I think we could all agree on. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And uh, some of the call fours that I thought they'd kept really well within the same movie, making it a good single movie for someone who may not be familiar with the source material. Hmm. But there were a couple things that they'd call out that I felt didn't have enough of a payoff within this film that people would walk out about that just feeling confused. Part of that, I think, would come down to how the Japanese view anime and movie adaptations, which is just a way for them to sell more books. Because hmm. some of them, I thought they did a really good job. I mean, at the beginning, 
they, they specifically mentioned that the opening um, alchemy that Ed and Al are trying to do to revive their mother is to create a homunculus. And then later when the homunculi show up, you're like, oh, that all works out. Because in the manga, they're not saying, we're going to create a homunculus to stick our dead mom in. They just go, we're going to bring our mom back, and the whole homunculi storyline comes in later. Right. So by putting that in the beginning, that, I thought, tied in well. But you constantly have characters calling out the Ouroboros tattoo. Mm. It happens like five times during the movie, but you never have a setup as to what it might mean, and you never get a payoff for anything that would lead to something later. You just have people randomly saying, oh, an Ouroboros tattoo. So, mm-hmm. you know, if there had been something, I think, a little bit more to that, either a little more of a setup, like you saw it stamped on something somewhere, or even if they just, like, stuck it in the middle of the uh, Philosopher's Stone alchemy circle. You know, you don't even have to explain more about it, just when you have that giant Philosopher's Stone alchemy circle, put the Ouroboros in the middle of it, so people are like, maybe there's some connection there. But as it was, that one I didn't think had enough of a payoff. So in the Japanese style of go out and buy all our books to figure out what the hell we're talking about, it might have worked, but for someone who's completely unfamiliar and foreign, I didn't think it worked as well. Well, and I think that's something that we've actually talked about quite a bit uh, when we're watching these anime adaptations. The Japanese are assuming you've already seen the source material, and while I think they've tried harder with Full Metal Alchemist to make it a self-contained story that you don't really need to be aware of, just like Wesley was saying, you still have kind of those pitfalls of how Japanese approach it. They're also assuming that, of course, people have watched this, and that at the very least, if they haven't, they're just going to watch this, and then you're going to go and watch the series and read the manga. Um, and I think that's actually... What my takeaway from Full Metal Alchemist is, is if you're a fan of the series, you can watch it and enjoy all the callbacks. Right. And if you've never seen it, it's a very good intro into it to where there might be some stuff for you to find out and explore later. Mm. But little things like that, I think most people would just kind of uh, gloss over. Um, and when they go on and read the manga, then they're going to get those aha moments. Mm, yeah. I think that's a good point, yeah. Right. Uh, and I think one of the things that uh, came up was um, Hawk in the movie, they never mentioned her name. No. Or referenced anything <laughs> to it. And this is something that uh, we uh, noticed in Blade of the Immortal, where there was a bunch of characters that came up, but they didn't really introduce them. They didn't say who they were. They were just kind of there. Mm-hmm. But it was more of a callback to those that have seen it, so they, oh, that's who that person is. Yeah, because I think, you know, Hawkeye's whole role is that she is the assistant and uh, almost bar regard to Mustang, uh, the mm-hmm. colonel, um, and you really don't need to introduce that person and give any sort of a backstory. In the film, even without that, you see her at, her, uh, at his side all the time. Uh, she is, you know, he shows up, does something, and she, like, follows up. and She's uh, always standing right behind him with her uh, menacing glare. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, uh, as long as you know, if all you learn is that she has a menacing glare and is blonde and walks around and supports a Mustang at all times. With a firearm. Yeah, done. Like, like it doesn't detract from the overall movie that you never learn her name or anything else. Because I think if they bothered trying to do that, you would just kind of fall into this trap that a lot of other shows have done and you get bogged down in all the details of this giant story that you're trying to press down. You're right. Uh, I don't know about that because I think Hawkeye is such a huge character in the original and it's, it's almost a shame that they didn't, they could have just maybe slipped her name in or at least shown her to be, like I feel like they showed her off to be a weaker character than she originally was. Like, she seems to get very emotional, whereas in the original, in the source material, she is very hardened, and she's amazing with a gun, and they kind of... They didn't really use that to its fullest potential. I think that's a shame. 
But I did like the fact that they showed she, I mean, she's always running around with her pistols or rifles, so she's proficient with a firearm, and she works for Roy, who's proficient with a pair of firearms. Oh. <laughs> um, I want to argue the fact that uh, I don't think Hawkeye is a major character. So she'd be, what, a lieutenant? She... Yeah. Yeah, she's a lieutenant. She's more of a major character in the yeah, mind. As opposed to a major. No. Uh... <laughs> not a major. That's not and, her rank. And not uh, Marvel's Hawkeye uh, with the bow and arrow. Even though it would be great to see a rendition of this movie with Hawkeye from Marvel's face plastered <laughs> on her face, because the whole thing would be great. Um, but no, I mean, major characters, Alaric Brothers, Winry, um, Roy, Maze, the Homunculi. Those are your main characters. In right. this movie. Yes. No, I would say in the sh- in in the Full Metal Alchemist no. world, those are the main ones. Other ones enhance the story and give different and provide different aspects and like they have their own arc in the, some. In, uh, exactly, you're counting father among the homunculi. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Th- those are the main ones that drive the story. The other ones add to the story. Is this like Scar? adds to the story. But I don't say he's a major character, no, he, even though he's a very pivotal character in the Winry storyline. When she goes to kill him in the end of the uh, manga in Brotherhood, Ed, who's had, had to do stuff, is like, no, don't do that. That's the line that you don't want to cross. But he's not a major character. I'd say he is. Him, um, Major Ross, Hawkeye, are three huge characters in the original manga, and I'm pretty sure in Brotherhood as well, that they... I mean, I understand why they didn't make them major characters in the movie, because it's like... That's a lot of material condensed into two hours, but, which I think what. But but that's not a main character. They enhanced it, like you were saying. They um, they filled out the world. They did other stuff. But right, as this movie shows, you can cut out those characters and you can still get the story of Full Metal Alchemist because Full Metal Alchemist is the Alric brothers. They, I mean, yeah, at the bare minimum, the main characters are going to be your protagonists and antagonists. So you have the Alric brothers, and you've got Father and his monkey life. Yeah, yeah. And then you can start bolting more and more onto that. But as you do it, you're slowly going down the pyramid. Yeah, and so for supporting actors, uh, well. Not actors, but supporting cast would be Roy, who provides a, the a level of support, and if anything else, a friendly rival for yeah. Ed to work off of. And Winry, the, the uh, love interest. Yeah, or Ed. you can put Mustang in that role as well if you're for Joshi Trash. <laughs> <laughs> Just remember, if it's burning when you're done, there's a cream for that. <laughs> so, and then I think, like, like Wesley was just saying, there's a pyramid, and then you go back farther down, and I think that's where you find Hawkeye. I'm not saying that they're bad characters or don't add to the story in their great way, but... You guys, by that you, definition, Roy isn't a main character either. It I is El, El, Ed and El He's a supporting Powell, character. Then, yeah. yeah. But I would say he's higher up yeah, he's in good. rank and height <laughs> and a lot of other things than Hawkeye. Hey, who you calling short? <laughs> Speaking of short, did anybody else notice that Ed is not short and he looks like a 24-year-old man, not a 14-year-old boy? Well, I mean, he's what a 24-year-old he man. Yeah. <laughs> the actor was at the time. Yes. Um, also, no, he's very short next to his brother. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah there's but, a reason for that. But there was a scene where Ed was walking next to Maze, and it's like they're kind of close to the same height. Yeah. I don't. Yet they still ha- have the gag where people are calling him short. But it's like he's not really that much shorter than anyone else besides Al. I'm kind of glad they didn't do that, though. Uh, I mean, they had the gag in there twice because you have to throw it out for the manga people, right? But mm-hmm. either you would have had another child actor, mm-hmm. and Japanese child actors are. <laughs> or you would have had a whole they would have had Hobbit some, Lord of the Rings type thing. Yeah, where they <laughs> fixed a lot of stuff in post. And with this, with 
as we're going to talk later about some of the CGI and stuff, hmm. they, re- they either didn't have the budget, the technology, or the ability to fix a lot of this in post. No, there's another way of doing it. Um, who's that American actor that's really popular in Asia still? Tom but Cruise. Tom Cruise. <laughs> he's actually pretty short, so in a lot of the <laughs> films that he's in, uh, like there's that famous one, he's Top like, Gun, where he's walking on the beach with a love interest, and they actually dug a trench for her to walk in <laughs> so that she would be shorter than he. Oh. Um, so there was tricks in cinematography that you could have done yeah. to do it without resorting to the uh, using Indian uh, uh, small people actors uh, to play the hobbits or using the CG to uh, get that same effect. Yeah. But right. to be honest, um, Japanese people are quite short. I'm pretty sure they could have found a good actor to play Ed who was actually short. But that leads to the other issue in that even though this is filmed in Italy, set in Europe, every actor on screen was Japanese. So you're lowering your average height already. <laughs> mm. There's also the fact that while we might not know these actors uh, as an American audience, they're mm. still grabbing uh, the famous, people. The famous people. people to draw in uh, right. um, the J- uh, Japanese uh, audience. More for some of the side roles, though. I mean, yeah. well, Mustang was Dean Fujioka, who's a big famous actor from Fukuoka, actually. Um Lust. Lust was the uh, manager character from uh, Detroit Metal City, so I enjoyed seeing her again. <laughs> yeah, she always does a, a great uh, uh, role in whatever she's doing, and these two roles are very different. Uh, Lust, a lot more mellow. Compared to the counterpart? Yeah, yeah. I'm swimming in chowder here. <laughs> you know, it's a completely different character, so I think actually for uh, uh, for her, I think it uh, speaks to her acting talent. Mm. 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 I think actually Winry's a pretty big actress. But the, the Alphonse brothers, you go through there, is, there's nothing that stands out of note. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. Well, and they, um, for Alphonse, they potentially could have used the voice actress from the uh, anime, but they mm. used uh, somebody else. The Was it the person? The mocap guy. Yeah, they were yeah. using the person that uh, did his um, the motion capture the motion capture piece. Mm. Yeah, I think yeah. he did. I think he did a good job. I thought Al Lust and Hughes were all actually also Hawkeye were really mm. good to the original design and personality mm. of the Hawkeye source material. Had a bit of a, I'd like to say thousand yard stare, but she was so cross-eyed, it was like a three centimeter stare. <laughs> She, she did look a little cross-eyed at parts, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and that was just her her trying to do the death stare that uh, <laughs> Hawkeye was sort of known to do in any way. Well, yeah, I mean, there's anything you can say about Hawkeye is, the, is that eagle eye right. and his archery skills. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait a second. But the overall, I think the acting, I mean, for a Japanese live action movie was pretty well done, I would say. I yeah. mean, there were a few it, scenes where Ed was uh, <laughs> really playing up the facial expression, but yeah. that was just kind of to produce the point. Yeah, yeah well, it's very Japanese. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the overblown facial expressions are pretty common in Japanese live action. I actually don't think Ed did a very good job of playing. <laughs> Ed. Uh, he had a uh, bad wig that detracted for one. Yeah. I think just like his facial expressions, he kept flaring his nose really weirdly and just again looked like a 24 year old man playing a 14 year old boy. Well, I think that though you're talking about the flaring his nose, mm. that's because he's getting angry. And one of the mm-hmm. key things you do when you're angry, you flare mm. your nose. Um, I think if you looked at the manga, you would probably see the you know, puffs mm. of air coming from the nostrils. <laughs> 
right. showing yeah. that. True. That was actually one thing that I... At first glimpse, it almost looks like he's wearing a prosthetic nose, because it definitely mm-hmm. has more of a Western hook to it, which you don't usually see on Japanese. Mm-hmm. Did anyone else see that, yeah. or was it just me uh, looking? No, I saw that. I kind of... I just okay. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm not sure if they actually did any makeup on him. Yeah, have to look up, like, the actual <laughs> actor, I suppose, when he's not playing Ed. Right. Yeah. So we've got uh, West touched on this earlier. Um, the setting, yeah, oh, yeah. the generic Euroland is Asteria. Yeah. yeah. Or so, which again is kind of like you said, generic Europe. Um, Very Germanic, generic. Yeah. Yes. Generic Europe with Panzer threes and Der Führer. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 Germany. Yeah, uh, but probably for um, making it more affordable, they shot in Italy. And yeah. they also mm-hmm. some parts were shot in Japanese areas where I guess they had some European architecture. What? Well, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of areas yeah. that have European uh, architecture. You know, you're looking up in Sapporo that wasn't colonized until you know the 19th, 20th century, so you're going to get a lot more Western design buildings up there. Uh, Yokohama is a place that they filmed a lot uh, in. Um, you have the red brick buildings and. Kyoto that they mm. film at. I think people just think, oh, it's Japan, and everything has to be Japanese. But you're going to find uh, areas that have a, a, the Western influence from the 19th century on. 95% of the time, that's true. Japan's Japan, mm. and any back alley is going to look like any other back alley. <laughs> it has this very strange ability that if you take a picture of back alley in Japan, you could stick it in any city, and you could find it somewhere. Mm. But then you know, there are other odd places. I actually thought the filming and the setting worked really well. I mean, like yeah. the opening city that they're running through, or you know, even little bits like the house that they grew up in or the house that show tuckers in or just things like that where whoever did the scouting locations did a great job on that mm. i enjoyed the sign in the background in the city that said 24 hours in a day 24 beers in a case that really <laughs> added to the setting and kind of made me go wait what <laughs> Oh, that's, uh, that screams Germany right there, right? Yeah, an English sign in an otherwise Japanese uh, language uh, world. Yes, a lot of a lot of Japanese people in the background wearing wigs to make them look kind of Western, including uh, Japanese Harry Potter with his big round glasses. That was, I would say, that was my my favorite background character was definitely Japanese Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, my favorite background character is a uh, Hawkeye. Cut down. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, one of the things that the director was talking about in an interview was he wanted to create a atmosphere where it could have been anywhere, uh, which is really hard to do when you only have an entirely Japanese cast and everything's written in Japanese other than 24 <laughs> hours in a day, 24 beers in a case. Uh, but he, he tried to uh, make sure that they eliminated any sort of Japanese mannerisms that would kind of give it away that they were uh, that they have Japanese actors. But yeah, there was there were a few parts where I feel like it might have just being okay so when Winry and Ed are riding on the train and they get out the pie that was made by Hugh's wife and Winry puts her hands up in like a prayer motion and then starts eating and it's like I'm pretty sure that was probably a tick that the Japanese actress was like itadakimasu but she didn't actually say it I turned to the others when that happened was like did anybody else just notice her hmm. almost <laughs> do itadakimasu but didn't quite well, are you I, trying to ascribe your weeaboo views to her actions <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I wonder how many takes they did, and if they were like, okay, whatever, she didn't say it, we'll just go with this yeah. one. Yeah. Or if none of them noticed, <laughs> because they're all because Japanese. They're all Japanese. <laughs> or um, maybe they slipped it in there because they were like, well, Japanese people are still polite, and they're still going to be watching this film, so we still need to put something there. Uh, I guess because they're, um, like, 
Catholicism, they kind of have a little of that where they'll say a prayer before they eat, but um, <laughs> you don't necessarily see that in movies. And with this, Catholicism isn't really brought up or anything like that. So well, it's yeah, not... we have the priests in the beginning. I mean, there mm-hmm. is some sort of religion right. there that they don't necessarily really go into. Yeah. I think the best way you could do is, oh, here's this homemade pie, yay. Yeah. <laughs> and kind of a, like a happy clap as opposed to a prayer style itadaki mas. Right. Mm-hmm. The priest is completely unrelated to this topic, but one of the things with the priest that I found interesting is that if I remember right in the anime and the manga, he suckers Ed into fighting his giant chimera creation. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, he creates these weird rock dog golems. But yeah. then if they're going to have the whole chimera storyline later in the movie anyway, why not just, why not just have him be a chi- why not have him create this weird battle chimera, which then creates this whole thing with Show Tucker trying to create a peaceful talking chimera. And yet this weird counterpoint. Mm. But mm. they nix that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think just because they were battling in the street True. where uh, during that part in the anime manga, he was in the church or in like the basement. Mm-hmm. So he was in some sort of arena where he could release the hounds. Mm-hmm. Where this one, he, since he's out in the street, he can't necessarily do that. So, okay, summon. Yeah. Well, or they were trying to show that Tucker, uh, this evil scientist that you find out later, spoilers, he's evil, <laughs> is trying to make a chimera. Uh, like, obviously he has some successful experiments, but maybe he, he, they can't even get to the point of making these battle chimeras. Sure. And so that kind of puts more weight on why his research is so important to the military. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, there was a lot of uh, talk with his research of producing a talking chimera. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, do, do you really need that? No. No. So that, that was one point I'm, a, I, I'm like, well, I don't understand that, that application. I guess if they can talk, you can, you can train them. And you can use them for training and some other stuff. Because... Once again, you know, this is not genera Europe. This this is uh, Germany pre World War One, pre World War One, but very take over Europe, preparing to take yeah. over Europe in some way. Yeah, I, in the manga and stuff like that, they talk more about how there's a lot of outside nations surrounding this one mm-hmm. uh, that they need to be prepared and fighting off, and that's where they're so militaristic. Uh, of course, you don't get that in this movie, but uh, once again, with any of these shows that we're watching, they're compressed, so you have you have to kind of I think to really get a full knowledge base is you have to read the manga. Watch the anime. Mm. Watch the other anime based on the manga. <laughs> right. You should just read the manga. It's, it's a lot better. There's always a source Other material. Great. <laughs> um, back on no, more no. on the subject, though, I did find so this idea of a generic Europe. One of the things that stood out to me as a problem, which we then found out later was a translation error, is a character shows up who's not in the manga, depending on the translation you read, and his name is General Hakuro. Um, and so you've got all these Europeans, and this one dude shows up with a Japanese name. And for me, immediately, that was like, well, that sticks out. That's odd. And it turns out later that was just a translation error that Netflix name made. Mm-hmm. And he's supposed to be General Halcrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Halcrow is actually a character in the original manga, and he does appear in the anime mm. briefly. But I think in the original anime they mistranslated him to ha- Hakuro as well, mm. which it might be where Netflix translator mm. got it from. Was uh, Did he, in the anime manga, did he fulfill kind of the same role? No. Or? no. He, was, he was like minor, minor, minor character. Okay. Oh, like Hakuro? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so with that I guess okay so they they had him so he they had the character but he ended up filling a little bit different role mm. in the movie. Who did he end up kind of... Was it Bradley or... 
Yeah, I think no, he's not full Bradley. No, he, no, he, he was some Bradley, aspects of he Bradley. was aspects of Bradley, and I can't remember his, his name, but one of the scientists who create the evil dolls. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah, the uh, one of the guys that headed Lab Five. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Which I think worked well taking a minor character's name because it doesn't instantly say. You know, if you're really familiar with the source, you're going, "Oh, this is just some dude." But if you are not familiar with the source, you could also be like, "Oh, this is just some dude," except for in the translation. They screwed up his name that makes him stand out more. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> if they took Bradley and gave him that same thing that happened in the movie, yeah. people would be mad. Right. Because it's not Bradley. No. no. And no. also, you'd be more expecting it. If in right. the movie Bradley showed up, as soon as someone says, I'm your fear of Bradley, everyone would be going, Oh. Here we go. And even a Western audience would go, Fuhrer? Oh. <laughs> uh, well, and that's one of the things about adapting the material to the medium. And so you have to be able to cut it down. So you're going mm-hmm. to take elements that are going to work and combine other ones into a shorter film. Right. So taking minor characters, combining different minor characters, taking something that happens at the end, which is still a reference to people who have seen the anime and manga, uh, but then having, I mean, this movie movie has a definitive like end there it's mm-hmm. not a oh and you know next time we'll continue on or this is just a setup or anything else you watch this movie there's a start the middle there's an end it's got a climax it's got yeah everything else and so they've left it clearly open for a sequel hopefully they continue to do the same that way you, you don't you probably have to watch this one if you've never seen anything yep. but for a self-contained movie i think this one worked mm-hmm. out pretty well because they were adapting the material right. uh, going back to being short yeah they use it as a reference for people who've seen it honestly I think they should just cut it out if he's not actually short (laughs) don't bother trying to use it it's not going to work yeah talking about the ending I kind of felt the end of the movie was kind of blah. Like, Ed and Al didn't really do that much in the end. It was Roy that saved the day, and then they just kind of yeah, main character. fizzled out. <laughs> <laughs> well, and even kind of around the same time frame, Roy was still a major plot point and a major person that did a decent amount around that same time anyway. Oh, I know that, but as a standalone movie... If it's all about the Full Metal Alchemist and you're setting Ed and Al up as the main characters, you kind of expect the heroes to be the ones to that the ones resolve the conflict at the end. I guess, well... I, I enjoy the refreshing take that the, the title or characters aren't the ones that solve it. Mm. Well, it's also, uh, even to that point, still kind of maintaining... Because at that point in the story in the anime manga, Ed and Al don't really kill people, where... Roy <laughs> definitely does. Where, <laughs> like, yeah, where Roy is... Okay, done. Because <laughs> yeah. he's battle-hardened uh, mm. person that went through the Civil War. Um, where Ed now, they're still 12 and 14. Uh, still, I mean, they're not fully innocent because of everything that they've gone through, but they still have their own child um, childhood uh, mannerisms and... Mm. Um, and idealisms yeah. and everything else. Well, the other thing is, you know, if you look at, like, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, each of them are actually kind of focusing on a different character. The first one was... Jack Sparrow. Sparrow. Yeah, Jack Sparrow. And then it was Turner, and then it was well, yeah, Will Turner's the second one. The girl, the girl, oh, and the third. Elizabeth. Oh, you're right, she's in oh, the third one. Yeah, Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah, because it's more focusing on her and stuff like that. All yeah. the characters are and the there. One's about his father. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so maybe, potentially, I'm guessing at this point in time, but maybe that's what they're doing with the Full Metal Alchemist movies, is that right now they got Roy, he's going to take a bigger stand. He's not going to falter. He's not going to say, oh, I what What if I don't kill this person? What will happen? <laughs> this is, no, this guy's bad. He needs to go away. Exactly. And so in this 
first part of the story, Roy is the one that fixes it, but in the ultimate, the full length story, if they're going to do two or three movies, and they have to be the ones that actually finish up dealing with the homunculi, you're kind of building up with that. Because like I said, while Roy might seem to be the, you know, antagonizing full metal, especially like in the manga and anime adaptations, I think it's kind of that rival that pushes you to become better. And so maybe this movie here is going to help show uh, Ed that he needs, you know, to step up and he has to do more. Hmm. Or they're like, well, you know, it's really problematic trying to do all the CG for <laughs> Ed and uh, Al's uh, fighting style. <laughs> right. Um, and we blew all the budget in the first fight scene where they're tearing up the streets and creating uh, uh, dog golems. And it's just a lot easier to have a guy go, <laughs> snap. And put and, some flames. And a bunch, a bunch of flames. <laughs> well, actually, I mean, I understand why they had Roy do that, because in the Brotherhood and the original manga, Roy is the one that deals with lust and envy to a point. And so that makes sense, because that scene was it was right out of the manga and the right. and Brotherhood. But I also feel like maybe they could have... I just felt like they could have done more with Ed and Al's participation in the final fight. Mm. Yeah, I guess uh, kind of what you were saying, uh, and something that I, I noticed with it, Ed and Al, they tend... Or most most of their uh, alchemy tends to lean towards earth element um, type manipulation. Mm-hmm. So you don't necessarily, with earth, you can crush, but you don't have the capability of fire of burning somebody right there you need to interact with the elements a little more mm-hmm. and well it's because you have to have and they do explain this in the movie you have to have the element you just can't create something out of nothing right mm-hmm. and in the anime and manga they do explain that so there's gunpowder on Mustang's gloves yeah. and that's how he can actually do he creates a spark he creates a spark yeah. and you can work with that with the yeah, Alaric brothers, they're a they just slap their hands forward. together. Yeah. It's got to be whatever's around whatever's them. Around. It's normally dead. Which is normally <laughs> dead. Right. Well, and yeah. I guess that's where I'm saying, I mean, just what they end up focusing on, because Ed could potentially do something similar, um, but usually you end up seeing him do more with Earth style. Um, mm. I, this is not Avatar. Yeah. Earth yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, it yeah. all comes Ed, down... They never learned their battle technique because the war never reached Ba Sing Se. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of the alchemy, the CGI, what do you guys think of the CGI in this movie? High oh. points, low points? <laughs> High points, yeah. I would say, would be uh, Alphonse. Yeah. I yeah. think yeah. other than the size disparity, because uh, they probably scaled them uh, to... Kind of match uh, what they... Very tall Ed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to Ed, and then it kind of makes them look out of place everywhere else. Uh, they use some of the techniques that were part in the Marvel films, uh, like on the Avengers, uh, to do like a motion capture, and so I think they did a very good job on that. Um, actually, this uh, movie I think was first greenlighted back in like what 2013, yeah. 2014. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, we just can't do what we want with the current technology. So they kind of had to wait until they got, A, a bigger budget, and B, technology kind of changed a bit to where they could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was actually a high point. It wasn't jarring. Um, I mean, you could obviously tell, but it wasn't that bad. Uh, the first battle scene where you see a lot more of the Earth and where they might have blown all their budget right. <laughs> uh, uh, for that, I think you saw a lot more with what you would expect from the manga, with the street being kind of torn up and Becoming a collapsing. tidal wave or a... A, a wave of dirt and the pillars popping up all over the place. Yeah, I thought it was a little silly when the, uh, when the street was doing the rolling earth thing and uh, Ed was like bouncing along it. Right. It works a lot better in the animation. And they, and they had like the the music like Jason thinks said during it, like kind of like Pirates oh, yeah. of the Caribbean yeah, type, like, Caribbean like some little ditty, like. <laughs> 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 and then, uh, Ed, uh, so a pillar, a pillar pops up in front of him. Ed does a face plant on it. <laughs> 
and <laughs> then kind of bounces backward. Well, again, we're doing uh, an adaptation of uh, anime, so there's some suspension of disbelief. Good, otherwise his face would have been much more messed up than a minor bloody lip. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think the worst travesty, and we actually just have this on the TV screen as we talk about this the entire time, is the character of uh, Gluttony, uh, which I think would be a hard character to kind of pull off anyways. But uh, we're in this scene, where, spoiler alert, where he opens up his stomach and it's a bunch of uh, teeth and an eye in his black hole where he just eats all of his victims. And that is just an atrocious <laughs> bit of CGI. Quickly, quickly followed up. By uh, practical effects, when you see him from the back uh, as he waddles after some soldiers, which is uh, hilarious, and it makes <laughs> yeah. me really wish they would have done more practical effects throughout. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's supposed to be this you know serious, scary scene, but like we all just started laughing. It's like first you get the opening up, and it's like all these weird tentacly looking things, and which then the, kind of <laughs> looks a little cool, and then yeah. they <laughs> flip around to the back of him as he's chasing after uh, a small squad of. Uh, uh, soldiers and going, I'm coming to get you. Yeah, it's like very slowly waddling along. So it's like, it seems like they could just easily outrun him no, with the, the way he's going. Those are incompetent soldiers. One of them clearly <laughs> oh, yeah. shot well above uh, their head. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Fire. Uh, yeah, two shots pretty low. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think uh, uh, the state is going to uh, miss those soldiers. <laughs> uh, one of the practical effects they did was the uh, uh, tank traps. Oh, yes. <laughs> Uh, which uh, uh, Wesley had a lot, a lot of issues with. Well, yeah. Yeah, just straight up. There's a bit when they go to visit laboratory number five, and it's surrounded by tank traps out front, but they're like the temporary, what was it, check hedgehogs, what you call them? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's the, the, the temporary tank traps. They're the ones you see on all the pictures of the Normandy D-Day landings. And so you've got these weird metal tank traps sitting out front in a world that doesn't have tanks, which is fine. It's like 1910. Yeah, think, somewhere Because the, the mother dies, spoilers. Uh, <laughs> uh, and like 1904 is what's on her yeah. tombstone. Um, and then this is, you know, some years afterwards. So I would say probably, so yeah, 1910, 1912. But it's just, it kind of threw me out because you have these temporary tank traps outside of an abandoned building. Now, if it was like, a temporary because it was used during the Civil War as a prisoner of war camp. So if you've taken a building, you've made it a prisoner of war camp, and you put tank traps around it during that time, and then it ends, you can take them away, or maybe make permanent ones, or this or that. But it just felt really weird having them there. Well, weird for the history nerds that know what it is, and fine for those who have no idea what tank traps. In are. the anime, there's a really big thing about the fact that they drive a Panzer three out of an elevator. So I remembered that, and then I paused and went, "But nobody knew what that was. So why are there tank traps?" Yeah, it was also like in the green space. Tank traps are better, uh, you know, blocking streets and everything else. No, the streets are wide open. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You expect them, like, all all over. Yeah. Mm. You know, uh, the um, so one of the Soviet memorials for uh, World War II actually kind of honors the tank trap, the Czech hedgehog, uh, as it served as a big symbol of resistance against the invading Germans with their ponzers. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Which don't exist yet in this story um, as far as the anime and manga are concerned because they show up much later and are a whole like new yeah. new tech new tech yeah developed yeah. by the Mustang sister mm. not Mustang I mean Armstrong yeah, yeah. Armstrong oh, there's sister. no Armstrongs in Full Metal Alchemist huh. yes actually I would say that's one, probably one of the bigger side characters that is uh, missing is, is yeah. Armstrong yeah and Izzy yeah. 
it's disappointing. I mean, I I can understand why they didn't have the Armstrongs in this movie because there was already a lot of other stuff going on. But I do enjoy both the brother and sister a lot, so it was disappointing <laughs> that they weren't there. But you know, maybe if they make future films, they might include uh, them. I guess that's where yeah, that's mm-hmm. kind of something to since we already had or the movie already had enough. It was what a two and a half hour movie. Yeah. That's so there was plenty mm-hmm. to go around. That Armstrong coming in and monopolizing a scene for ten minutes as he's posing. Um, would have been amazing. <laughs> yes, well, would have been amazing, but amazing for hopefully uh, <laughs> movie two well, in this uh, case. Yeah, and actually that's what I'm hoping for is that in movie two, Armstrong uh, will show up in that one. Yeah. Which well, I think would be a good spot for it because in a new movie you need new villains, you need new allies. Right. So you bring back your favorites or whatever and then who do you have on the good side? Stick in Armstrong, you can stick in Izumi, you can stick in those types of characters to help drive the new plot along while on the other side you ramp up your villains and maybe bring in Bradley or father who I'll probably Scott I think it's mm. be yeah, Scar might. Yeah, yeah. Especially because they hinted at the um, the uprising in Rizambul. Yeah. So that's kind of where Scar started to come in anyway. True. Exactly. So there's a lot of Easter eggs, as uh, Wesley pointed out earlier in this podcast. That if you have seen the show, read the manga, you're like, oh, okay, I know where this is going. Mm-hmm. Um, the scene where Maze Hughes kind of figures things out. He he gets the like the overall. Like the, the bigger picture that's like end of anime manga significance, but then it also figures out this lesser piece of information that's more critical to that here and now for the movie. Mm-hmm. But that once again leads more to when they do a follow up movie, they've already led uh, put a foundation in to move forward on. Right. So I guess we've got beginning of the movie. They're setting up the story of what sparked Ed and Al on their journey. Mm-hmm. Mom dies, or Ed and Al were kind of practicing out. Alchemy, come up with the uh, marvelously harebrained <laughs> idea of resurrecting their mom. They gather all the ingredients, start it all up, then stuff goes bad. In the anime manga, you see Al being torn up and things mm-hmm. like that. In this one, he kind of flies away on a raft. <laughs> like a uh, Wizard, Wizard of Oz style. Yes. He just yeah. goes into the tornado. No! Yeah, that was. The, I've noticed that a lot with Japanese media recently. Is there is understandably a distinct lack of cruelty to children. I mean, that's understandable. But in the original, of course, you see Ed and Al being ripped apart, and they're what nine nine years old. Uh, <laughs> Just yeah, young edges. Eight I thought they were like eight? six and four. Uh, no, he's... Oh, like, Alice isn't four. Okay. Eight and six. But they're, they're really, really oh, young, right, and they lose yeah. their limbs, and it's horrible and horrifying, and in this one, they kind of got around that by having a dream sequence later on, where yeah. adult Ed is kind of... 14-year-old adult Yeah, 24-year-old, 14-year-old Ed is having a dream about what happened, and that's how, like, you see him as an adult with his limbs missing and blood everywhere. Well, yeah. but that's probably 24-year-old Ed pretending to be like a 10-year-old Ed yeah. because it's before he became the full metal alchemist and you have to allow for that time to happen transpire between those. Yeah. Actually, I think this is probably one of the weak points in the movie is I think they should have just stuck with either the kids being slowly dismembered and disintegrated or not have them do it at the time of when the mother dies 
but have them study and like do a montage where they get older and then do it when there's older and apparently for some people more acceptable to have their limbs removed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then that wouldn't have worked with the original timeline of the story. Because the whole thing better. is that Ed is impressive because he becomes a state alchemist at the age of 12. Yeah, so he could have uh, had that same thing happen to him when he's 10, played by his 24-year-old self. <laughs> Which is what they did no, in the dream sequence. In the dream sequence, <laughs> yeah. you, you wouldn't have to have a dream sequence at all if they just did that little montage and you don't have to kind of come back to it. Because then the opens up the question is, well, Alphonse disappears in a raft, uh, you know, maybe with evil monkeys, whatever. <laughs> Does he just, like, stay there until an adult Ed, uh, well, not adult, but, you know, 10-year-old Ed can come back and get him? Mm-hmm. And so does this exist in this netherworld for that yeah. amount of time? That's mm-hmm. that's kind of what they show at the end of the movie when Ed well, no, goes into... That's where his body is. That's where his body is. And that's what's in the uh, animated manga. But they uh, re- he gets Alphonse back, like, immediately after yeah. trying to do that. I think they should have this montaged it out, did that, and it would have made the story flow a little bit better. Rather than having this dream sequence where one of Wesley's initial reactions is, wait a minute, why does he have his arms? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. it would just put the story in a, we started here, and we just move along. Mm-hmm. Rather than going back and doing yeah. it in a flashback. I think one of the weaknesses there, what would have been a great scene to show, which would have helped bridge that, is that you never see child Ed missing limbs. And so that's what allows you to have this gap that he oh, doesn't lose. Yeah. Like, you kind of get this, you can get this idea that he tried another stupid experiment to regain his brother after losing his mother, and that's when he loses the limbs. So there's a scene in the manga which shows child Ed sitting in a wheelchair with stump arm and stump leg. Mm-hmm. And I think that you don't need to show the violence, but if they'd taken the child actor for Ed and just, like, had that shown there as part of a montage in the opening or something before you show adult Ed, that would have further tied in that, oh no, he lost the leg and the arm during that first one. Because mm-hmm. in the first tornado that you see... He also just gets shipped out on a raft. You never see damage to either of them. They both just disappear into the storm. And it's not until the dream sequence that you see him crawling across the ground with a pool of blood leaving him behind his leg. But again, that's adult Ed with that. So I can see where the disconnect comes in, where you can get mm. the idea that, oh, he waited a couple of years and tried again to get his brother back and screwed up again and just got his soul and stuck in a piece of armor. And I think by showing kid Ed missing the leg, so you realize, oh, that happened during the mother one, it would have better tied that. Well, yeah, because he also makes the statement, uh, I lost my arm to get my brother's soul back. Yeah. yeah. Right. But what about the leg? Yeah. Right. Because that's, that's the scene in the very first... That's the very, very, very first scene in the manga, and both anime, I think, is when Ed is clutching his bleeding stump of a leg going, give him back. Give him back. Yeah. Mm. Which but in the movie, he only ever does that with adult Ed. They never show child Ed doing that. So you just kind of get the idea that, oh, they screwed up on the mother and lost Al, and then a few years later he tried again, and that's when he lost his limbs and only got a soul for it. Yes, that's where it was... I mean, it's not like spelled out either way, but I can see where Mm. the disconnect comes from for someone who doesn't know the source material. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you need to show the limbs actually going away. That could be something that, oh, read the anime manga to kind of find out more about this scene, Mm -hmm. but this kind of showed that there was something that had happened. Right. But they didn't want to show... Well, like I said, that's why you should just have the the training montage for them to do it. Because, yeah, he's he's this genius kid that can pass the C. Alchemist exam when he's, uh, you know, 12. It's still a little ridiculous. I think he could at least study for a couple more years rather than being (laughs) self-taught out of his father's uh, library up in the attic. He was mostly self-taught at that point because he had seen the knowledge of the universe. So that was kind of, that probably gave him a bit of a boost again, in the exam. In, yeah. But in the movie, they again show adult 
Ed. Yeah, they show mm-hmm. adult they, Ed. They show older at Ed at the door of truth, yeah. not child Ed at the door of yeah, truth. Yeah, but it's because he's remembering. Of, yeah. True, but they never really spell it out. I mean, yeah. they kind of say it's a fla- They tell you straight up it's a flashback, it's a dream, it's a nightmare. But because in the dream and the nightmare it's still adult Ed, you don't get that direct tie that, oh, this is when they screwed up with their mother. Yeah. yeah. And that's what allows it to be a possible second screw up trying to get Al back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the Ed and Al fight with Tucker... Or, or caused sort of by Tucker, where uh, in the original um, it was uh, uh, Barry, Barry Chopper that kind of manipulates Al's memory. Well, he, what well, he well, views well, of his mm. memories. Well, yeah, this this creates doubt. Yeah, he, he kind of goes in there and says, "Hey, you know, you might not actually be uh, Ed's brother. He, you could just be a creation of him, of his, to either fulfill the role of his brother mm-hmm. that he has lost previously, or for whatever reason." He just created you to be around right. you know, as a bodyguard, whatever, and is just telling you that uh, you're his brother, and that way he doesn't have to pay you. And yeah. some, uh, <laughs> yeah. an overly complicated uh, uh, servitude. Yeah. Yeah. So in the movie, um, we don't really get into the Lab 5 much. So they have Shao Tucker be that medium to seed that doubt. And I guess it was, mm. you kind of have it, it's sort of there, but maybe could have been saved for the next movie. Agreed. Yeah. I don't think it, like, it didn't really for me have, like, a point in this movie, it seemed like. It's like, okay, you have a scene where Tucker tells these things to Al, and Al starts to not trust Ed, and then there's a scene where Ed and Al fight about it, because Al's like, I don't know if I can trust you, and he's like, what are you talking about? No, of course you can trust me, and then they fight, and then they make up. It's like, I don't think it really added anything. Like, it just kind of took more time. I guess they felt maybe it was a way to strengthen the relationship between the brothers and to show them on screen more, but I agree they probably could have left it out and the film wouldn't have been any worse off. I think it actually what they should have done was put in the initial part and then left it. Mm. And then when so they do a sequel... Retouch on it. Retouch on it at that point. Or at, in the sequel. So Shao mm. Tucker drives the small wedge in and then later on when they actually encounter Barry, he drives it through with a hammer and that's when it actually comes to a head. Exactly. Because that's what we were talking about you know, at the time when we were watching the movie itself was that there was no lead up to it. There was no build up. It, it takes more than just the one offhand comment to really drive that wedge because I think anybody else would just be like no that's not going to happen and boom done mm-hmm. uh, so I think if you plan the seed now in this movie and then you went through and did other movies people would complain right now oh wh- where were they going with it but then you do in the second movie people are like oh you know and then uh, I would think would kind of applaud that building of the world mm-hmm. um, to do feature films yeah, risk reward type of payoff correct well people are going to complain about anything anyway yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, I think it would have built on uh, making this more of a uh, trilogy. That's true, but I guess I wonder if they have plans for a trilogy, or if they were just going to do the one and then see if it did well, then they'll make more. It's so more it kind likely. Of, yeah. So I, I think that it worked... They actually worked well to answer a lot of questions. It didn't leave you at the end going, well, what about this? What about that? Whereas a lot of adaptations of manga and anime often do because they don't tie up the story, and it's like what you were saying at the beginning, is it's a good... Self-contained. Self-contained story. I think on the flip side, though, um, with no build-up, you get no payoff. And for me, I didn't like the scene. I thought it was kind of pointless because there wasn't enough build-up to it. And when yeah. Sho Tucker puts the idea in his head when he's doing his weird little hypnosis experiment, he flat out says, oh yeah, sometimes alchemists create false memories. It doesn't look like that's happened with you. So you kind of get the build-up. You get a quick little blip of, this is a thing that could be 
but in your case, probably not. So right. it's kind of, it's done there. You don't need this huge fight scene later yeah. when you can build up to it more and drive more wedges in. Because hmm. you have this initial nick where it's like, sometimes people do evil things. Not <laughs> Surely me, not. not your brother. <laughs> but the idea is there, and then you can kind of put in more nicks and nicks and nicks until you get a big blow off in like the third, if there was a second or third movie, that's when this would have felt better at the moment cut it out, you lose 15 minutes of a fight scene, and the movie's shorter, but you don't lose anything. Yeah. yeah. It's already a two and a half hour movie. I, I think losing that fight scene was what, five minutes? Mm -hmm. And like we said, I don't think it enhances anything in this movie. Uh, to Jen's point of, well, would you put something in that you might not know you're going to explore later on mm -hmm. in, in farther movies? At the end, uh, Ed makes a comment, alright, Roy, go out there and become fewer. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, you said, uh, yeah, you gave the kind of the same thing that Maze said was, uh, I'll back you and uh, uh, go yeah. become... Become fewer and expose the military. So there, there's, there's already stuff in there to build on. Because like mm -hmm. I said, well, the end scene is a very much one that is like, oh, there's, there's going to be a sequel. There's, you know, a standard, you know, Jason style ending, referring not to my co-host, but to Friday the 13th yeah. ending. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, that is one thing to point out if you're watching this on Netflix. Hmm. It will try to dump you out um, before the credits are done to go watch, in our case, an advertisement for Mute. You want to go back to the credits because there is a stinger at the end. Usually Netflix is better about not dumping you before those, but in this mm. case, they just didn't care. So mm. if you're watching on Netflix, hang around till the end of the credits. Well, you have to. It's a Netflix mm. original. Sure. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yes, because nobody would pirate a French copy. Wink, wink. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, so they, they did the, uh, the common Marvel thing of adding in the last, or one more scene to say... <sighs> Maybe. Yeah, what's mm. happening next time? Well, this is a hint that... <laughs> but I do think it does kind of come to build up and pay off. For instance, at the beginning of this podcast, I was critiquing the fact that they keep drawing reference to the Ouroboros tattoo. And if they had just been lingering camera shots and all the homunculi, I wouldn't have given a damn. But because they had different characters, not the same character, but different characters repeatedly call out, that's an Ouroboros tattoo. That's why I felt there should have been something more to it. In this case, the thing with uh, Tucker is so minor, I don't think it needed more of a build-up or payoff like a lingering camera shot on a tattoo would. It mm -hmm. wouldn't have required more of a payoff either. Mm -hmm. So it all depends on how much expectation you put on it. In this case, Tucker goes, false memories, not in your case. <laughs> but for, me, for me, it felt more minor. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think one thing that we've been uh, kind of building up to and talking around is, of course, the scene with uh, Tucker. Um, the final scene at the, uh, at the end. No, not at the end. Just the, the, the probably the most famous oh, scene okay. <laughs> in Full Metal Alchemist, which I think for fandom gives us two major uh, uh, scenes: Mayhew's death, yeah. and then the uh, Chimera experiment. Yeah, yeah. Why is father in the ground? He has so much work to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this one, they avoided having to hire another child actor by just having. Hugh's wife be pregnant instead of having a little girl already. That's <laughs> true. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Just the... another single mother leeching off the dole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Tucker thing, I mean, if you know, if you know Full Metal Alchemist, you already know what's going to happen, so it kind of yeah. played out as you would expect. 
The CGI sufficed for the scene. It wasn't blow yeah. away, but it wasn't, oh yeah. my goodness, look at these horrible <laughs> yeah. teeth and waddle of gluttony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The waddle of gluttony I was fine with. The waddle of teeth and I. Look at the, the waddle was, was magical. <laughs> it, was, it was great. I wish, like I said, they did more of the practical effects. But I actually thought the uh, uh, leading up to it, um, um, everything else, especially with people who like know it's going to happen, mm-hmm. I would say that, like I said, it's such a big part, I think, of a... a uh, for Americans, the anime experience. Even if you hadn't seen it, you've probably heard of this whole thing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and even so, at the uh, at the game shows that we do, at Jeopardy, yeah, uh, we have a <laughs> uh, one or one question where we kind of build up to it with doing a couple other things, and then uh, we show the the chimera. And every time we do that, the entire audience groans. <laughs> yeah. Too soon, too soon. <laughs> yeah, that's an exact quote from one of the audience members. Yes. <laughs> and it's just like, well, you know, this happened back in... 03? 03? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's like spoiling the end of the Civil War and uh, uh, Lincoln dying. Whoa! <laughs> what? Too soon, bro. I think that scene was absolutely fine, but the end scene with Tucker and his weird soul-attaching experiment with Ed was odd. I mean, I could kind of see why they did it so that they could then tie it in with like the final chapter story or at least one of the final chapter story arcs with the dolls but it was still kind of odd i guess they because at that point with the movie they needed a little bit bigger climax so they just kind of went with that piece of it well, it, it makes more logical sense of, you know... We were dealing with the philosopher's own and... Yeah, well, you have Tucker. Tucker's known for right. making the chimeras. Um, either, if I was writing this movie to be a standalone, either I would end with it being chimeras and kind of having maybe mm. a chimera theme throughout, mm-hmm. going yeah. back to the original like priest making a chimera and doing that. But I think what they did is they were they kind of switched uh, mid-gear and, because Tucker was very impressed that Ed was able to soul-bound. Yeah. And then that's what they used for the end villain is soul-binding soul um, to kind of tie that in together. It was interesting that they were so open about it, though, because in the manga and the anime, they keep that... Ed, the Alwork brothers keep that a very closely guarded secret. Yeah, which yeah. I don't understand how. I mean, they, everyone know. I guess no. Not even everyone knows he's an empty suit of armor. No, I think he never takes it off. Yeah, and, but I do. I thought I remember uh, Ed can sort of confiding in Shao Tucker about that piece. Did he? I just go rewatch it. I don't it. remember. Actually. But, okay. Yeah, I just because that, that was an interesting bit. They just kind of walk up. Hey, your brother's interesting. Yeah, I actually found a sold a suit of armor. Totally illegal, by the way. Well, probably because Tucker is just like, well, you guys probably figured out that I killed my wife two years ago and made her into a chimera, and I'm probably going to do that with my child and daughter. Uh, no, spoiler alert. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> because, uh, because it's so obvious that that's probably what happened. So maybe that's why you can find it, because I have a kindred spirit of illegal activities. <laughs> so... I guess after going through all of it, general thoughts on it. Overall, for me, like I said, uh, I've actually uh, seen the previous uh, <laughs> anime, so I've got a general idea on what was going on, <laughs> unlike everything else I usually watch. Uh, but overall, I liked it. Um, it's uh, It was a good movie as it, as it is. It's not kind of like with Death Note, where Death Note got uh, a lot of bad reviews, it looks like this one kind of is doing the same. But, I mean, overall, for if you just go into it knowing the source material, or if you do, kind of take it as a as its own interpretation. But the movie itself, yeah, I mean, it's got a little bit of crazy CG 
pieces to it, but you can those are usually quick and kind of done with. Yeah, I didn't find that there was anything that was like particularly eye jarring other than the gluttony scene. <laughs> uh, that way you could you could watch it. You obviously see it CG. It's not as bad as what we'll see in other movies or uh, like a um, Tokyo Ghoul. Yeah, yeah I think mm-hmm. is a big offender of how not to. <laughs> like make it so glaringly obvious. Yeah, it kind of blended in a lot of it much better. And yeah, like I said, the whole Alphonse uh, suit of armor I yeah. think actually worked fairly well. Yeah, currently um, I think it has like a six point seven rating out of ten on IMBD, and then only like a twenty percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. But if you're, if you're viewing this as like this is a movie and we're going to judge it to like all the other movie standards, just like any other sci-fi fantasy film or anything else like that, it's not going to score high. Mm. Uh, just because I think people kind of have uh, six up their ass and not able to view... <laughs> enjoy it for what it is. Enjoy it for mm-hmm. what it is. It's like when the uh, the interview came out and got so much press because the whole hacking Sony thing. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. The interview is the one uh, with James Franco and Seth Rogen. And Seth Rogen. Yeah, where they go to yeah, interview yeah. Kim Jong-un. Yeah, that one got a lot of bad reviews. I saw write-ups in the New York Times, but that was only because it had such it had the press related to it. Yeah. And they panned the movie, but it's a stoner comedy. Yeah, it's a yeah. it's a Seth Rogen film. So if you view it in that light, it's it's it was good. Full Metal Alchemist uh, is one of the better anime adaptations. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't get as much press as the live action like Death Note, right. but I think that's because it didn't have the whole whitewashing piece with yeah. it that yeah. got a lot more. The negative. Way, they're, they're Japan washing generic Europe. Yeah, right. so that's nobody complains I, about that. That's yeah, bullshit the other way. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's the same thing with the um, Attack on Titan live action movies. Yeah. that's very much, very, very uh, once again a German European setting. No, no, small suburb of Yokohama. <laughs> <laughs> Although I heard that actually bombed in Japan. Mm. They had it well, in as well. Can't, you can't use that. Oh, sorry. Didn't do well in Japan. <laughs> I actually didn't mean well, to I say was, that. Yeah. Those series of movies was worse than Full Metal Alchemist, uh, but definitely. Did, but it had one of the better instances of where a movie has added something to the genre, because they have the guy who like takes an accident and fights the Titans by themselves. Oh my god, it's an amazing <laughs> piece. We'll get to that <laughs> as a preview of a future real Japan movie. Um, Spoiler alert, sumo attacks on Titans. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, I, once again, looking at it, at the genre, you can, you can go into this knowing all the previous stuff and it's a standalone movie that you can enjoy if you've never seen it before and you kind of want a primer. I think this is also a good film for that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I generally agree that, as Josh was saying, in the in the world of live-action adaptations of manga anime, it does a, a good job with that and explaining the story and having, you know, passable acting, I suppose. <laughs> so I came into this with the perspective of a huge fan of the original. Um, I love Arakara Hiromu who is the original mangaka and I've read through the original manga twice I've seen the original series I've seen Brotherhood I've seen all of the spin-off films afterwards and I have to say this was actually really good it was not as bad as The Star of Milos which was the sequel film to the original Full Metal Alchemist which was just god-awful this did a really good job of having a contained story and taking bits and pieces from the original material and, and although changing it 
kind of still sticking 80 to 90% of the time with the original source material. And although I still do not like Ed and the fact that he is a 24-year-old man, <laughs> I did really enjoy it. <laughs> she likes him younger. Oh, wow. oh, whoa, not like that. <laughs> also, mangaka means author of a manga. Uh, we try not to use such uh, localized and specific terms to make sure our audience can be reached. It's, it's I think we can all join in on this really quick. There's a word we need to say. Say, no. We <laughs> So I I had fun with it. I think if I was going to give it a rating though, I would give it two sacrifice limbs out of four. <laughs> because while it opened the door, it gave me a glimpse of what could be if they make these sequels. I think it was had a lot of buildup, and so I could see the truth in that if you gave me a second or third film to really get a good buildup and blow off, it could be a really good, fun trilogy. But on its own, while entertaining, the promise is there. I just need that other movie for the blow-off. Uh, I will go with three Philosopher's Stones uh, out of five. Oh, that's actually pretty good rating. Personally, I would go with seven out of ten charred envy bodies. <laughs> <laughs> go with 7 out of 10 bad wigs on clearly Japanese people <laughs> and I gotta probably go for 3 out of 5 mutilated children there could have been more mutilated children on screen <laughs> again she likes them young oh god no not like that <laughs> um, and uh, so yeah and at that we will leave you thank you for joining us at Real Japan please check us out at anabroscreative.com uh, along with our sister uh, podcasts recommendations from my otaku spouse otafu susume and uh, I'd just like to leave you with this following thought. Hawkeye is a minor character. <laughs>